Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Every story that I tell, even if it's a first-person story about me or my dog or something I saw on television, every story I tell is evoking that journey from before to after that my prospects can relate to because that's what I'm selling. That's what we all sell. We all sell the journey from before to after. Our product and service, it's merely the bridge between the two. Welcome back. I hope your week's been just awesome so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with the founder of Social Abundance Marketing, Wendy Manganaro, and with Josh Green of the Matha Group, then do check them out. But only after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Tom Ruich. He's an experienced direct response marketer. He's a communication strategist, a copywriter, and a web developer. He's especially adept at helping businesses discover their core stories and coordinate their online and offline marketing efforts. He has experience designing and executing marketing campaigns for small business startups and for publicly traded companies. Tom helps coaches, consultants and other business leaders harness the power of storytelling to captivate prospects and inspire them to buy. He is the CEO of Story Power Marketing, the agency he founded in January 2020, and is the founder and former CEO of MarketVault, the email marketing software and services firm. In January of 2020, MarketVault sold its software business to Benchmark Email and Tom spun out the strategic consultant and services business to form Story Power. In our conversation today, Tom talked to me about the importance of knowing your customer and prospects and the journey they are on. We talked about practicing curiosity and developing that habit. And we talked about systemizing the gathering of ideas and story building blocks. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Tom Ruich. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today from St. Louis in Missouri. USA, Tom Ruich, who's the Chief Story Officer of Story Power Marketing, and he's the host of the Story Power Marketing Show. 
Welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast, Tom. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you. I am happy to be here, Jurgen. Now, is that the correct pronunciation, St. Louis? <laughs> well, uh, St. Louis, but people often will refer to it as St. Louis. Yeah. Right. Okay. I've always wondered all, about that. All good. Yeah. <laughs> and you got Ruich right. You got my last name right, too. That one can, okay. uh, that well, one can yeah. be butchered. I was hoping that um, I had that right. No, I did listen to some of your podcasts and other places where you mentioned it, so I figured you'd get it right. <laughs> uh, most, of the, most of the time I do. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, Michael Delon, who was our guest on episode 461 of the Innova Buzz podcast, he introduced us and suggested we have a conversation. So a big hello to Michael. Yeah, absolutely. Michael is uh, is great. He did connect us, and uh, that's that's something he does so well. He's a great connector. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And um, your whole premise is around helping business coaches, consultants, thought leaders power up their storytelling skills. And I, I think one of the things you say somewhere on your website is that we're all storytellers at heart, but many people kind of believe they can't tell stories or have this kind of block in their minds about telling stories and so they default to this very professional um, speak, this very sort of corporate speak, even though they might be in small business or they might be talking to um, friends even. So um, I'm really keen to dig into all things storytelling and the power of storytelling with you. But before we do that, what's the impact you're making in the world? Well, I, I think the impact that I'm making is helping business people enjoy their lives more because when you were talking about the that business of getting content out there so many people consider it a headache and a hassle and a slog they dive into doing email or doing social posts or writing blogs because well that's the playbook you know that's mm. what marketers are told they're supposed to do and they kind of soldier through it and it's kind of painful they suffer from writer's block they they summon the energy to do it and for most or at least for many it's not fun it's not easy and really in all of my work and all of the business i've done over the years what what i want to do is help people do the work that they've chosen to do in ways that feel fulfilling, that feel fun, that feel uh, easier and not have it feel like it's a big, dark mystery and maze and, a, and such a difficult slog. And that's where, uh, for me, storytelling comes in to create compelling content that will captivate prospects, inspire them to act and to do it in a systematic way that doesn't feel so darn hard. That's uh, that's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, you know, thinking of it from the point of view of somebody that also reads lots of emails and consumes lots of emails, there's there's a real big difference between people who do tell stories in a way that engage the audience. And, you know, they're the ones that when I see their name in my email, it doesn't even matter what the subject line says, I just see their name and I click on open and, and read the email, whereas there's others that oh, I tend to, tend to delete the emails unless the subject is very specific. 
to my interest right then and there because I know it's going to be sort of fairly boring. Yeah, and 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 that's the primary idea that we want to entertain not just inform there's plenty of information out there pick a topic and you can find a million blog posts and a uh, billion emails on that topic but if you can entertain while informing then people are going to be more inclined to want to engage with you if you can be more human and not so robotic people are going to be more inclined to want to engage with you and to uh, know, like, and trust you. And that that's what good storytelling is all about. It's a human thing. We're, we're all born to connect with stories. We all know that instinctively. There's a lot of science to support that. And we know and we like to hear stories. And we know and we like to tell stories. So it works very well for content delivery if you can discover how to do it most effectively. Hmm. All right. Well, um, let's switch gears for a moment. So Story Power Marketing, you founded in 2020. Um, how did you decide to do that? And was that before the pandemic or was that as a, as uh, a result of the pandemic or were the two things not related at all? Because the, the two things. Yeah, interesting go ahead. Time to start. <laughs> it's an interesting time to start a business. It sort of presents some unique challenges, I think. Yeah, the two were not related, but uh, yeah, it, it turned out to be an interesting time to, to start a business. My background, in 2001, I founded and then ran for the better part of 18, 19 years, an email service provider, uh, email software for, for managing a list, creating content, delivering, tracking emails. And that company was called MarketBolt. And we were a little bit different than some of the other uh, providers in the space in that we helped our clients and provided services to our clients for list building, uh, content creation, planning, the whole the whole nine yards, not just providing software and saying good night and good luck. And as part of that work, one of the things that I really discovered over time is that businesses, business leaders are very enamored with the latest and greatest shiny tool and tactic. And they want they think that they've got the message and the story down and they just want the latest tricks and the greatest tools and tactics to get that message out to their market. And when it doesn't work, they're inclined to blame the tool, the tactic or the tactician mm. and say things like email doesn't work or yeah. social media doesn't work or on the, on the offline side, direct mail doesn't work. And in my experience, 99% of the time, the thing that was really holding them back and getting them stuck was that their messaging and their storytelling needed to be more powerful. No matter how fantastic your uh, your funnel system, your software, the tactics and the tricks may be, if you tell feeble stories, if you deliver feeble content, those fantastic systems won't save you. And that's something that I came to really discover over 18 years of helping clients. And as MarketBolt evolved and as I got closer to the day when I merged it with another company and left, I really began to focus with my clients on how to 
power up their stories, how to do a better job of captivating prospects, inspiring them to act through storytelling. So we merged Marketvolt with a great company called Benchmark Email at the end of 2019. I stuck around as a consultant, you know, a few hours a, a few hours a month, helping with that transition through 2020. But I had known well before the merger was completed that what I would do after I left the merge company was help businesses power up their stories so that they could create that compelling con uh, that compelling content, those compelling stories with greater ease and comfort. And so, yeah, in January of 2020, I launched a new company. And uh, in March of 2020, uh, my beautiful new office uh, was shut down and I, I uh, came home. And here I sit in my home office still, but uh, really we've been able to, to get this thing off the ground. And uh, as challenging as the pandemic has been, it, in, in some ways it's been helpful to get us focused and allow us to build this business over the last couple of years, uh, despite the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that's, that's a remarkable achievement. Um, given all the additional barriers that were in the way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's talk about storytelling. So one of the things I really like the way you do your podcast where, and, and, you know, I, I'd like to understand how you come up with these ideas and how you merge the two things together. So for those people that haven't heard Tom's podcast, go listen to it, first of all. Secondly, um, spoiler alert, uh, Tom starts off with a story of somebody and it's not about the guest that he's bringing on. Uh, it's a story that captivates and educates because often they're things that, oh, I didn't know that. And then you make that connection to the guest and their expertise and, and connect the dots and have that conversation. So how do you kind of go about that whole process? Well, the, the question you're really asking is broader than just the introduction of the, of the podcast. It's sort of how do you discover the stories? And, and part of it is it, it begins with understanding where your prospects are and what they they are all about so ultimately all of the stories that i tell are parables or fables or um just stories with some sort of connection and lesson and the lessons have to do with trying to evoke the journey that prospects are on every business Every business, no matter whether you're in business to business, business to consumer, small business or big business, every business is helping prospects and customers move from some before state to after state, moving that journey. And it's an emotional journey from fear to um, relief, from, from frustration to satisfaction, whatever it may be. And, and so what I try to do in finding the stories is first start with understanding that. What are the, what are the things that my, prospects, uh, that my prospects will relate to their experience? And then I just look for things that happen to me every day. Um, I, I'll write one about 
having gone fishing with my son. I'll write one about my dog who sits in the backyard and waits for squirrels to fall out of trees. And of course, that never happens. I'll write one about hearing that, uh, uh, hearing somebody talk about um, a great television personality named Regis Philbin. In fact, we talked about Michael Galan. Mm. I tell a story about Regis Philbin as the segue into bringing Michael Galan on. The idea of that story is being more human caring about your people, being a great host. The more you care about people, the more you are a great host, the better you can connect with people and your prospects. That's a lesson I want to bring to my market. I use that as a, that story as a segue into talking to Michael Delon, who is a, who, who, who personifies that philosophy. So the, the formula, if I can boil it down, is Know your prospects and the journey that they're on. Know the lessons that you wish to bring to your market. And then try to just watch and listen to the things that are happening around you to find entertaining hooks and ways that you can deliver that story uh, that are not just the typical lecture or treatise that uh, we read so often on blogs mm. and in emails. We're tired of that. If you can create that entertaining hook, parable, fable, storytelling, then people will lean in and pay attention to what you're saying. Yeah, yeah that's um, great advice. And I really like like that approach. And in fact, in my other podcast, Tales of Marketing Transformation, that's pretty much what I like to do. But I always get into this trap of having having a theme that I want to talk about. I think I know my audience. I think I know the people that I'm trying to reach and the message that I'm trying to give. But that this there's this thing in my mind that says it's got to be a, a kind of a, a momentous story. And then I always run out of things to say. Always. So how do, you, how do you find all those little everyday occurrences? How do you keep track of them? in a way that, you know, maybe two or five years down the track, you think, oh, that, that little incident or that little um, occurrence would make a good story for this particular topic. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And, and again, I don't want to get into the shameless pitch thing, but there is an episode of my podcast where I talk to a guy named Adam Freitman, who is particularly good at what we're talking about. And that entire episode, he and I just trade stories back and forth of how we pulled stories out of, you know, seemingly nowhere. Um, and, and what happens is part of it is, part of it is systematic. Part of it is going to places where you can find stories. So he and I both, for example, regularly go through different channels in Reddit and other online sites where ideas may pop up. Part of it is just having the habit of, of listening and noting. So I have tools. If something, if I read something or I hear something, it might be watching a television show. Oftentimes, I'll be struck by, huh, you know what? There's an email here. And I don't even know what that email will be. I don't even know what the story will be. But I'll make note of it. and. So the systematic part is having a note-taking uh, system. I'm a, I use Apple computers and an iPhone, and I use an app called the Bear app. And I'll just 
constantly do little voice recordings or little screen captures or or sh or save a link to an article and then I'll hashtag it email story and I'll go back through and oftentimes I have no idea how I'm going to hook it into something but I know it's interesting and possibly funny and that I can tie it to something that is meaningful and I'll 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 give you a great example of how what I mean by this. There's there's a guy out there named Matt Fury, F-U-R-E-Y. And Matt Fury is often credited with being the the first guy to really master the storytelling format for email. And uh love him or or hate him. Those people who do daily emails, daily entertaining emails, Ben Settle is another one. They often point to Matt Fury as the guy who first inspired them. I heard Matt Fury do a workshop with a very small group of people. I heard the recording many years after the fact. And he had 10 or 12 people in this workshop who paid 10 grand to sit with him for a weekend and learn how he does his thing. And one of the exercises they did after he had taught him how he goes about doing his stuff is they went to lunch to a Thai restaurant and he brought them back into the conference room where they were having their workshop. And Matt said, okay, you're all in different businesses. You all have different things you're pitching. You all have different lessons that you want to share. And here's what we're going to do. We're all going to write an email about lunch. We had lunch at the Thai restaurant. And I want you to tell a story about lunch and tie it to uh, some business lesson or some product pitch associated with your business. And it was pretty astounding. They all did it and they all did a pretty darn good job of it. So the, the moral of that story is in things as mundane as I went to lunch at the Thai restaurant today, you can find details and stories. And what, what makes it possible is first, knowing your prospects, and second, knowing the lessons, the stories, the ideas that you want to share. If you're able to do that, you can form stories around that um, in ways that you, you would never imagine after you practice and after you get more accustomed mm. to doing it. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, for me, one of the... Um, one of the thoughts coming out of that story is just practicing, practicing the skill by forcing yourself to connect an everyday occurrence to some business lesson, and then you know, then once once you do it often enough, you'll probably come up with some in that collection that that are worth sharing further than just your own notebook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is, you know, people often resist this whole thing of content creation and storytelling because they imagine that it's an act of creative magic that they have to conjure. And in fact, yes, there there is some creative magic that happens when we just let ourselves go and, and write and think and notice but in the end it relies on systems i talk about 
when when I'm working with my clients, the habits of noticing and habit is the key word there. Hmm. Get in the habit of paying attention and looking for stories, looking for things that are interesting and entertaining and unique. Tap into your own innate curiosity. We're all curious beings. And what what's happening out there that's interesting and, and um, amusing and entertaining? If you develop a habit of noticing, you will be more able to find stories. If you develop systems for understanding what makes your prospects tick and what is the journey that you um, are helping them go on systematically, then you'll be able to draw from that and tell better stories that have more meaning. If you are systematic about um, knowing the key ideas that you wish to share and recording them and paying attention to them, all the building blocks will come together. Eugene Schwartz, who uh, was probably the most prolific copywriter of the second half of the 20th century, wrote hundreds, maybe thousands of, of highly successful sales letters, says he never suffered from writer's block. And the reason he says he never suffered from writer's block is we don't write copy, we assemble it. And what he meant by that is really all of these things that I was saying. It's, it's that he's systematic about doing the research, diving to what, what we call at StoryPower, story discovery. When you go through the systematic processes of discovering the story, noticing, recording things, keeping track of the journeys and the points that you want to tell, then what you do is you fill a, 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 a treasure chest full of building blocks that allow you to assemble stories and not stare at a blank screen every time you have to write an email and think, oh, when's the creative muse going to strike? <laughs> you know, that's not what it's about. It's it, it it can be systematic and anybody can do it if they learn how to develop these habits, put these systems in place and discover the story. Hmm. So it really is about observation, curiosity, and and then a system to kind of keep track of all the things you are observing and then it becomes a content curation exercise rather than a pull something out of out of your ear <laughs> yeah and and by curation in this case in, in many many ways what you're curating are the words and thoughts and feelings of your prospects and of your marketplace mm. we're not talking about curation where you are drawing on somebody else's content and sharing it we're talking about curating the ideas and the feelings and the desires of your target market those are the stories that you're telling and and yeah in that regard it is really an act of, of curation systematic curation and uh, tying it to those things that happen in your life that uh, are interesting and worth sharing hmm. All right. Um, now you touched on a point there that I think is worth exploring some more, and that's the idea that the customers are actually the star of the stories. And yet, oh yeah, if 
if we're observing things and this happened to me, so that that's an anecdote that I could perhaps use somewhere. And then this other thing happened to me. So, so the stories or the anecdotes we're collecting to pull together these stories or experiences that we personally have, how do we then frame that in a way that it's the, it engages our prospects, our customers, and it, puts them in the position of they're the hero of the story. Yeah, and and, and so there, there are two things going on. When I talk about sharing your own experiences, um, it's about dropping the veil and the mask and the robotic qualities that you have as a person and making that human connection with the people you're, uh, you're trying to reach. And the more that you're able to do that, um, the more they will know, like, and trust you. When we talk about your prospects being the stars of the story, what we really mean is that it's it's their journey, not yours, that is most important. And so um, in my business, for example, the the people I'm trying to reach and that I best serve are those who feel as if marketing is a dark maze, who are frustrated that it always feels like a dice roll, frustrated that they um, they invest in the fancy system and the, the tools that uh, the tacticians have overpromised and underdeliver. They're tired of prospects who tune out and move on without giving them the time of day. What's on the other side? Um, having greater clarity regarding what they do, understanding um, why they're talking about what they're talking about and what the point is, um, feeling much more comfortable and confident in content creation. So every story that I tell, even if it's a first person story about me um, or my dog or something I saw on television, Every story I tell is evoking that journey from before to after that my prospects can relate to because that's what I'm selling. That's what we all sell. We all sell the journey from before to after. Our product and service, it's merely the bridge between the two. Yeah. <laughs> I had to laugh there because that's <laughs> the language I use very much. I talk about the yeah. journey before to after and the bridge or the vehicle that gets us there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and so many business people miss that. And, and I think your question was a, a critical one because when people hear about storytelling and there's a lot of buzz around this, this whole idea of storytelling, they will often think, Oh, I've got to come up with some awesome origin story about mm -hmm. myself. And, you know, what's the legend of me? And, and they'll say to me, Tom, you know, I understand storytelling. It's important. It's, uh, but I don't have an interesting story to tell. Um, I, you know, I can't do it. And I have two responses to that. Number one is we all have a more interesting story about ourselves than we may give ourselves credit for. And number two, to your point, to your question, it really in the end doesn't have to be about your origin story. And, and God forbid, so I, I've heard plenty of people trying to tell stories where they just drone on and on and on about, you know, I was born a poor child in the hills of Kentucky and I clawed my way and, you know, what's the point? 
Um, it, it's oh, only well, that's, meaning. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. That, that's the classic um, kind of one that I haven't seen all that many of them recently, but you know, going back maybe 10 years or so, when I certainly when I first started my business and I was researching uh, information and, and courses that I could take to learn more about various things that I needed help with, there were a lot of these ones where, you know, there'd, there'd be the banner image would be some guy in an expensive suit standing in front of a yacht or a Ferrari with a beautiful woman draped over the bonnet or something like that. And then, you know, I, I lived on the streets as a child. I, um, you know, only had one parent. Um, we've, you know, we've struggled to even feed ourselves and, and now, Ten years later, I've clawed my way up, and here I am in front of this expensive yacht in this expensive suit. <laughs> yeah, and it's and, all and you think, well, me, me, me. Yeah, 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 that's right. And and you know, they're they're saying, well, you know, you two can do this. But <laughs> and and my immediate response was, well, I actually grew up in a fairly normal childhood. I mean, you know, we we kept being told money didn't grow from trees, but we certainly weren't hungry. We certainly weren't lacking for clothes to wear. We had a a lovely place to live you know we were able to go to school and get an education we didn't really lack for anything so you know my story is different so how can i relate to this exactly yeah mm -hmm. you know and that's so common in the opportunity space the internet marketing space you know bragging on the rags to riches story when that is not the journey that people are necessarily buying in in some spaces it is but um, you know, it, it, I don't have a Maserati and uh, even <laughs> if I did, I wouldn't be posting pictures of myself standing in front of it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I do, I do often tell stories about my bike riding and my photography, but that's, that's me and, uh, you know, they're, they're the experiences I have. So, um, the other one I, I use a lot, um, and I guess, People that have grandchildren, I don't have any as yet. Hint, hint. The kids yeah. are listening. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people talk about children and their antics that they get up to, and there's lots of lessons in that. So I we have lots of wildlife in our garden, particularly bird life, and um, that's a lot of fun to observe them. And I often take stories from that. Yeah, I I think it's a great thing to do to tap into that. And again. You know, sharing everything that you put out there does not always have to be tied straight back to some business lesson. If you just mm. want to share a story about your grand or your kids, um, if you want to talk about the birds you saw in the, in the garden, um, let people know who you are and understand who you are. That's a critical piece of this, especially if you are in some kind of role where connecting with you personally is uh is important getting people to know like and trust you so um doing that through the fable parable construct is the is important to do on a regular basis doing it 100 percent of the time not necessary sometimes it's just i'm going to tell you um I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. Uh, Dave D is a great marketer, a, a mentor of mine, 
And Dave will sometimes just talk about going out to dinner with his wife and here's what we ordered and here's what we drank. And, you know, here's a recommendation for a great wine that I enjoyed. And mm. it just reinforces that sense of, okay, I'm unconnected with this guy. I like this guy. And uh, it, it helps, uh, it helps you grow your business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that comes back to that human connection element you were talking about earlier, isn't it? Cause it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you meet, your friends, you're not always telling them, hey, I had a funny experience and here's the story and this is the lesson I learned out of it. You know, often you have those conversations where, hey, my wife and I went to this great restaurant yesterday. You should go there too. It's, you, I think you'd enjoy it because we had this wonderful experience or here's a great wine we enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we hear, we hear this notion of authenticity tossed around as a buzzword in, in business and in marketing and, there's nothing more authentic than just, you know, revealing yourself. There are limits, of course. There, there are things you, you, you don't want to share. But if you let that veil down and if you show your personality, then people are going to connect with you more effectively. And oftentimes what I see when I work with my clients on storytelling is, is that they grow into that. They get more comfortable telling stories from which they're a little bit detached but as they begin to share stories that aren't necessarily revealing so much about themselves they begin to realize that oh yeah what i am doing is having a conversation with friends you used that mm -hmm. phrase earlier and 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 having a conversational tone and and not pretending that you're some guru on high or business expert from on high who's lecturing down to the uh, to the lowly masses, but instead that you are having a one-to-one -one conversation, sharing a story with somebody you know and like, if you can strike that tone, you'll actually get more comfortable with being more personal. And then you'll get you'll garner that additional benefit of revealing yourself being more authentic. It happens naturally. If you mm. try to force it, if you if you try to force it, the irony is that your your supposed authentic uh, authenticity yeah. just feels completely inauthentic. Mm. So. And the, and the other thing I think that happens is when you get that level of engagement, the feedback from the audience or from the the clients you're talking to will give you some more ideas so oh they really like that story or they really like this topic and and so you can spend more time bringing more of that yeah there uh, you're you're absolutely right and you know <laughs> for the listeners i can't see it but raise your hand the last time somebody directly replied to one of your product pitches um or traditional email newsletters with hey reply i really loved that email that you sent me mm. um here are my thoughts on what you said well it doesn't it doesn't happen much in that traditional kind of of content creation but when you do the kind of content creation that we're talking about today i know this from my own experience people begin to reply. People begin to say, I love that email. 
here are some additional thoughts. And exactly as you said, you're going to, you then can build on that and turn that into another email, turn that into a story, learn more about your prospects and customers and what they're feeling. You sometimes the reactions you get are negative. You've learned something as a result. And so when you are, are doing this sort of content storytelling, conversing with your audience, you it only feeds itself and strengthens the bond that you have and the knowledge that you have, the discovery of the stories that um, just just make it easier and better moving forward. Hmm. And one of the things you said there was interesting. The you know that that sometimes you get negative feedback, um, or you know people might say you're full of it, or I violently disagree with what you said there. Uh, yeah. How do you how do you deal with that in the storytelling context in a way that's still engaging and and also take lessons out of that? Because I think a lot of people find that experience confronting and, and may actually stop producing as much content. Yeah. And, and so there are a few tips, a few lessons to take from that. Number one is if you are going to put yourself out there, um, you have to have thick skin and you have to recognize that some people are going to respond in ways that you don't expect and in ways that you don't like. And, you know, there, there are some folks out there who will say that you should, you should strike a position in your content creation where people either love, love you or hate you. And in between is the worst place to be. I don't buy that. I mean, I think you can be a good, a good person and carve out a spot where you're not, um, you know, pissing everybody off on one side of the line and, and engaging and, and having, you know, just um, huge fans on on the other side. But that said, you will always, if you're putting yourself out there and putting a lot of content out there, offend and um, not necessarily intentionally. And the thing about it is, is that sometimes people are right and you can learn from it. And again, this idea of habit of noticing and curiosity mm. and and so forth and so forth. Um, if you are able to listen and empathize and say, well, what, where are they coming from, and and what is it that I said or did that that bothered them? Oftentimes, you learn things about your market that that. Uh, will be very, very instructive for future content creation and future future product and service delivery. Um, sometimes not. Sometimes it's just, okay, we're going to part ways. You know, I'll happily remove you from the list and goodbye and good luck, and I'll never bother you again. So, hmm. um, but, but oftentimes when I've had people respond negatively to something that I've written, if I'm able to approach it as I just described, I then can continue a conversation with people, often find common ground, and often bring people back into the fold uh, more fired up about me and my content and my products and service than they were before. So um, mm. it's again about trying to trying to be human 
and not just robotically defensive. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, that's that's a really good way to put it, um, robotically defensive. And I think, you know, I've learned over the years, I mean, I'm very much now in, in that mould of, hmm, I'm curious, why do you say that? And um, the, you know, whereas earlier on, I was perhaps like, oh, that's a bit rude. And, you know, just sort of the immediate response would probably just be to throw fuel on the fire. Um, the, I think your point is is really a great one that by responding and by even reaching out to that person and saying, mm, I'm curious, why do you say that? What what was it about that that you disagree with or, or sort of really just showing curiosity and showing interest because they've taken the time to actually respond even though it might be a very negative response they've actually taken the time out of whatever they're doing they're probably really busy to respond to what you put out there um, so in some ways i think it's respectful to say well thanks for taking the time to respond and thanks for reading through what i've written or listening to what i've said um, i'm curious to understand more about your viewpoint and yeah, as you say, that sometimes leads to a point where they're actually the greatest fans you have later on. That's exactly right. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right. Well, this is fabulous, Tom. I'm just um, conscious of the time. So I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the idea is you'll inspire the listeners with your answers to go and do something awesome today as a result. I'm, I'm ready. I'm fired up. <laughs> okay. Bring, bring right. on the buzz. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? So my answer to that question is listen to your customers and your prospects. I've, I've already tapped that theme a little bit. Mm. And I, I told you I was going to share a story today about, <laughs> about Henry Ford and 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 this is it you know Henry Ford is is famous for saying if i'd asked customers what they wanted they would have told me a faster horse hmm. and steve steve jobs famously cited that quote often when he was being interviewed and here's the thing about jobs and 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 henry ford they were both really good at at the pr around their own genius fostering this image of themselves as innovation geniuses and and innovation is not about tapping some inner genius most of us are mere mortals you know <laughs> and, and you don't you don't have to be a genius to innovate innovate is about feeling innovation pardon me is about feeling the pulse of the market um, Eugene Schwartz, um, whom I cited earlier, hmm. talked about this idea that that um, we do not create mass desire in the marketplace. We tap it. And there again, you know, this this idea that if we put our ear to the ground and listen to what the market is all about and what it needs, then we are in the position to solve problems in a meaningful way. And and back to Henry Ford, <laughs> you know, the idea that he didn't listen to his customers is just a bunch of 
BS. Just a total BS. <laughs> and, and, and that quote, if I'd asked them what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. Here's the thing he knew. He knew that the solution was not a horse, but the desire was faster. Hmm. So he innovated because he knew that the market desired faster and more comfortable. And he was tapped into that mass desire. And the result was he was able to create an innovation and evolve transportation from the horse to the motorized buggy um, that was faster and that was more comfortable. He did it because he listened and knew his market. So uh, long answer to a short question, but I, yeah. I, I hope that. <laughs> no, that's that's brilliant. I think I think the lesson there is that you know, we're all innovative in in some ways, and if we do tap into the market and the feeling of the market and and what the real desire is, so you know, faster horse is not the real desire. The real desire was getting from A to B faster and more comfortable. So there's many ways to do that, and exactly. um, that we're all capable of coming up with that. And I think being resourceful. And I take your point. That you know the the PR thing is really strong with these guys, and I mean we talk about Henry Ford a lot, but he actually didn't invent the motor car. So uh, exactly, exactly. You sort of go back to you know the people that actually invented the motor car way back in the 1860s or the 1850s. That yeah, you say they they might have been more innovative, but um, they were perhaps not as good at PR. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm. Yep. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Well, again, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat something we talked about before, which is to systematize the gathering of the building blocks. Hmm. So developing habits of noticing. Um, um, and um, developing systems to tap into what makes my market my prospects tick and and so if broadly i'm telling you that listening to your customers is um is the key to innovation listening to your prospects then then developing systems and habits that enable that are really critical and it, it it goes down to everything, including you know that on my watch, um, I I have tools for audio note taking, and um, and 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 so I don't let a little idea slip. These are all critical systems for enabling innovation. That I don't allow one idea to fly in and out in one side of my brain and out the other. Um, I could I could talk for hours about the tactics, but yeah. the concept is 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 being systematic. It's really a critical thing. Hmm. Yeah, that that's a really great tip, and and I like the idea of um, recording on your watch too. Um, my wife's yeah. been, my wife's a big fan of these smart watches, and she's just got a new one, and she keeps telling me how wonderful it is, and you should get something like this as well. Now, normally I'm the person that has these shiny gadgets and toys um, yeah. in this case she's the big fan um, but now you've just given me an argument where i say maybe i will get one of those things <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was also having a conversation with um 
Peter Margaritas on the last episode, I think it would be, or it was the last recorded one anyway, the um, on improvisation and the idea that improvisers don't just make things up on the spot. They're actually well rehearsed. But we talked about the idea of building blocks and it's, you sort of reminded me of that. So there's lots of different building blocks that they have, little short snippets and that might be stories that they can draw on. And so the improvisation is, which one am I going to draw on in this presentation that makes sense? Yeah, and and I think we'll talk a little bit more about that with your next question and and uh, but maybe in the show notes you can share a blog post that i did about the importance of noodling and doodling i tell a story in this blog post about a songwriter whom i know whom i really respect and he talks about improvisation and the songwriting process that a lot of times what he is doing is simply noodling. He'll sit at the guitar and he'll just begin to play, um, create, improvise, but he does it systematically and habitually. That's the key. He builds time into his day to allow himself to create without structure, just noodle and he records it and then after he has recorded it he'll go back to it and see if there is something to be built there if if what he has improvised what he has noodled what he has doodled is will will fit within whatever house he's building whatever album he's creating whatever song he is conceiving and that's a really critical idea. I'm so glad that you brought that up, and I'll listen to that to that episode because um, I've talked all about structure and systems and so forth, but allowing yourself also to just improvise, noodle, doodle, and then see what comes of it is a really powerful thing and a really helpful thing in the creative process. Mm. Mm. Love it. Okay, well, we'll link to that um, that blog, certainly in the show notes. All right, well, let's go on to that next question. What's the favorite resource that you use most often? Well, I my answer to that question is is my ballpoint pen and my journal. And <laughs> okay. my ballpoint my ballpoint pen and my journal is the vehicle through which I noodle, doodle, and jot, mm. and uh, and 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 improvise, and. And so oftentimes what will happen is I'll just sit and let myself write, often referencing something that happened the day before in my life, something I saw on TV, a movie, the raw material that will later become an email, a blog post, even a course that I might create hmm. comes out in the journal. And, and here again, systematic and habitual. I I build it into my day. It's something I do every morning. And I build it in without structure. I don't sit down and say, now I am going to write the email about topic X. I sit down and say, 
now I'm going to write and I see what comes out. And, and if I can't think of anything to write, I'll just ask myself a prompting question. What did I have for dinner yesterday? Who, who did something yesterday I'm grateful for? Whatever it might be, just something random, but I do it habitually. And so much innovation is driven by, uh, by that tool by allowing myself to to doodle and noodle. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of having a prompter question or some prompter questions. That's I've I've been trying to do that regularly. I haven't quite got it down to a habit yet, but I'm working on it. Um, and one of the things that has helped me a lot recently was I, I kind of built this list of questions in five different areas that are my prompter questions and I'll pick up on one of those and usually there'll be an answer that comes to mind if you just okay what's the first thing that I think of okay start writing about that and I have these I have these now the listeners can't see this I'm showing Tom my collection of Lamy Safari fountain pens some They're of fantastic over yeah. about 30 years old and still going strong and I use those in different colors and write and so that's sort of the color color and the feel of that fountain pen is is kind of inspirational as well to and, and you know, just it's nice to write with a fountain pen so it's uh, that yeah and, and, feel and good about it and that in a in a subtle way you know you have established tools that enable creative process, enable innovation, enable you to to write. Those those tools are an, an important element of that. And if it was just, oh, I got to dig up a pencil from the bottom of the junk drawer, <laughs> uh, it would be a much different process. There's ritual that you've mm. established and ritual and habit and systems um, help enable creation and innovation. Mm. All right. Well, thanks for that. And what's the best way to keep a client on track? Well, I'll, I'll just keep on the same theme that we've been on, which is, yeah. um, you know, in my case, the, the clients I'm working with, it's all about how am I creating those stories, that content. And it it's all about planning and committing to systems as opposed to um, allowing randomness to invade you know the, the 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 business people who fail at content creation are the ones who have a vague sense of oh, okay i need to do an email once a week and then they sit down at a random time and mm. oh you know they look at their watch and they, oh i gotta get the email out tomorrow and then they sit down and and do it being systematic about how you plan how you um sit down the tools you use to um, to stay on track, all of that is important. Um, I I am not naturally good at follow through and implementation. If I you know if you saw my scores on the various uh, assessments that measure that stuff, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't see a guy who rates high on the implementation scale. So I by my own nature have been forced to establish these practices of, of systems, of, of mapping it out, of following a game plan. And if I don't do it, um, I just don't stay on track. 
And mm. same goes for my clients. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love, you know, you, you've talked a lot about systems and um, tools and establishing the habits. And they're all things. And I remember in the corporate world, we, we developed and I was the leader of this team that implemented this system for product development from inception so from the idea stage right through to the commercialization and the sale and one of the most common things we had come back as as resistance when we started to implement this was from the research people who said no no the system's going to inhibit our creativity and I said, no, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's completely the opposite. It's going to enhance your creativity. That is exactly right. And and going back to the songwriter, systematically carving out the time to sit down with your guitar and noodle, systematically recording the noodle, systematically listening to what you record mm-hmm. enables creativity and innovation in ways that uh it would just be it would be much more random and and haphazard and and it wouldn't happen um for that for that songwriter and i think that's a great um a a great metaphor for how all of us can create more effectively yeah excellent and also the the other thing you've been talking about is um, you know, knowing the pulse of the market, and that was um, at the core, actually, of of this process. Was that's where you begin, knowing the pulse yeah. of the market. So it's you know, it's nice to have great ideas, and and but you know, if we're going to spend millions or sometimes hundreds of millions to develop this into a product, it'd be nice to know before we spent the first dollar, actually, whether that was kind of what what was after. You know, if we're developing yeah. a faster horse or not. Yeah, there's a there's a story about. Uh, Tim Ferriss and the Four Hour Workweek book, um, and the way he he ended up with the title for the Four Hour Work uh, Workweek is he came up with five names I think it was that he thought were were decent, and then he spent I think it was less than three hundred dollars and did Google AdWord ads where the headline he basically split tested those five titles as the headline of ads and um four hour work week uh killed them all Mm. and and just a a very good and simple example of that difference between you know that, that that's the difference between listening to your market paying attention to what they're they're doing and misinterpreting Henry Ford's quote and saying, "Well, I don't need to ask the market what they want. I'm I'm an innovator. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come up with the title of my book, and I'm an innovative genius. And you know, those are those types of innovators are the ones who uh, stumble and fail. Hmm. Um, you have to you have to take the pulse of the market. You yeah. have to discover the story." All right, and we have touched on this before, but maybe you can encapsulate it for us again. What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think in in just three words, be more human. Hmm. Be more human. Uh, lower your mask. Don't be so darn serious. Uh, <laughs> show show who you are. Bring some humor. Bring some fun. Uh, connect 
with people. And uh, the the more that you're able to do that, the um, the more your customers and your prospects will know, like, and trust you. And and the more and 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 what that does, you talked about it from the perspective of hey, people respond to your emails, and that informs you. The more human you are, the more human your customers will be with you. The more human your customers and prospects are with you, the more you'll know about them. Yeah. And the better you'll be able to serve them. Hmm. Yes, it's a kind of a cycle, isn't it? Yeah, hmm. it sure is. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Tom. This has been absolutely fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared? Sure. Um, my My website is story power marketing all mushed together storypowermarketing.com my email is tom at storypowermarketing.com and uh, people are are welcome to email me and i i will respond and if you really want to kind of get a feel for what this thing's all about um you'll see this on my website but i offer a uh 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 quick 12 minute training called the the three uh the the three most important storytelling keys to captivate prospects and inspire them to buy without pitching and prodding and you can find that at storypowermarketing.com slash the number three keys slash three keys and uh, i'd be happy to hear from you i'm also look me up on linkedin i'm very active on linkedin somewhat active on facebook be happy to connect with anybody who wants to reach out excellent and we'll include all those links on the show notes together with that blog on the importance of noodling and doodling yeah yeah all right do you have some parting advice for our listener today tom well i i think consistent with everything that we've been talking about you want to demonstrate through words and actions that you understand and empathize with your prospects and your customer and your employees by the way when you start we haven't talked about customer service and so forth but we all know the businesses that mistreat their employees and don't care for them and and sort of run a different ship than they claim to run with uh, with their customers but if you can demonstrate that you understand and empathize with your prospects and your customers and that that also applies to how you run your business, good things are going to happen. Hmm. Yes, that's really good. And that's, I think it comes back to, you know, being human. And that's right. About your customers. Was it um, Richard Branson that said, um, care about your employees first and they'll care about your customers? Well, they'll take care of, yeah, take care of your employees and they'll take care of your customers. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think uh, I think it might have been Teddy Roosevelt who said, um, um, "Your people or your your cust—I forget if it's customers or employees—but people will not care about what you know until you demonstrate how much you care about them, or something something to that effect. No yeah. one cares what you know until they know you care about them. Yeah, is the is the basic idea." Love it. All right. Finally, who else should I get on this show and why? Well, um, speaking of, of being human, there, there's a guy out there named Ted Pedromo. I don't know if you know Ted or not, but uh, no, Ted I... Pedromo is spelled P-R-O-D-R-O-M-O-U. 
And um, he he's perhaps best known as a LinkedIn expert. He he wrote uh, the book on I forget the title of the book, but he was one of the he wrote one of the first and best books on LinkedIn marketing. I think he wrote one about Twitter as well. But the thing about Ted that's really extraordinary is he's not all about the automated bots and getting as many <laughs> connections as you possibly can. He's re he really understands how uh, in marketing in general and LinkedIn in particular, building human connections and, and quality versus quantity is really, really important. And um, so I think he'd be a, a, a great person to bring on the show. Um, another person I'd recommend is a guy named Vance Morris, uh, V-A-N-C-E, Vance Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S. And Vance has a really fascinating background. He worked for many, many years for Disney at Disney World in Orlando, Florida, and um, had had high-level jobs, uh, managed a lot of the restaurants there, left there and opened a carpet cleaning business in um, Maryland where he applied the customer service, delight customer philosophies he had learned at Disney and combined them with a lot of the best direct response marketing principles that are out there. And he was so successful in building his business that people began to ask him how he did it. And he now, his business now is all about how to disnify your business, how to delight customers, customer service, all about um, plussing your business. And there are so many lessons that are consistent with the things that I'm talking about here, understanding what makes your customers tick, how to care for them, how to be more human. Um, and, and he's a very entertaining guy. So hmm. uh, Vance would be a wonderful person to uh, bring aboard, I think, too. Excellent. Well, we'll get you to introduce us to Ted and to Vance, and we'll um, reach out to them and bring them on the show as well. Both uh, topics that I'm really fascinated by and really uh, passionate about as well. Um, one, one of my pet hates are these automated reach outs and templated reach outs that particularly oh, yeah. on, on, well, LinkedIn is where I'm most active. So that's where I see them most. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, I at, at one point, Ted's profile um, w began by saying something like, are you sick of the automated bots, uh, <laughs> you know, hounding you on LinkedIn? You know, he's, he's really all about that. And yeah, it's, it's great stuff. And he's, he's just a great guy, both Ted and Vance. Um, would be all right. Best. We'll look forward to those conversations. And thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Tom. I've really enjoyed this, learned a lot, given me a lot of inspiration to go and um, be more observant in little things and start noting them down so much. I might even get a, a new smartwatch to record <laughs> the ideas. And um, yeah, all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Oh, thank you. I, I had a ball and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. I hope that uh, everyone who's listening has been able to draw something from it. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that delightful and highly informative conversation with Tom and took something away from his episode. I love the idea of systemizing the gathering 
of story building blocks and making a habit of just doodling. I'd love to know what your big takeaway was from Tom's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Tom Ruich. That is T-O-M-R-U-W-I-T-C-H. Or lowercase, or one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Tom Ruich. There you'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Tom, as well as links to the Story Power Marketing website, to Tom's social media pages, and all the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Tom suggested that we have a conversation with LinkedIn expert Ted Prodromu and customer experience specialist Vance Morris on a future Buzz podcast episode. So Ted and Vance, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the Buzz podcast, courtesy of Tom Ruich. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so we can get to know you and why you listen. And it'll help us make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And of course, you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including best-selling author, entrepreneur, writer and keynote speaker, Kedma O, and a return appearance by my friend Karan Nijuan, founder of Close Dream Clients. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.